Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever it is that you are listening to us, we want to thank you in advance. We as fans have always appreciated your input as fellow fans. When you're happy, we're happy. When you're upset, we are too, but sometimes we're just a little bit more honest. We are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. You can find us on Twitter or X at Bastards underscore Boston. I am your host, Charlie Smith, coming to you from Los Angeles, California. You can find me on Twitter slash X at Smith underscore MLB. Our other hosts for this episode are Terry Cushman, coming to us from Myrtle Beach in South Carolina by way of Wyndham, Maine, and Nick Face, coming to us from Reading, Massachusetts. Nick, how are you doing? Where can the fans find you on Twitter slash X? They can find me at Face the Facts 15 on X, and it was a very busy weekend here. My hometown does their annual fall street fair. My store is right on the route and everything, so it was dynamite, even in the rain and all the nasty weather from today. So it's great to see local businesses supporting each other, and that's what it's all about. It's awesome. And uh, Terry, always nice to see you as well. How are you doing? Where can the fans find you? I am kind of anxious to get these last three weeks done and get the final verdict on Bloom, which there's no indication either way right now. It's 50-50, I'm guessing. But yeah, that's that's where I'm at. And we kind of got thumped pretty good this weekend. And you can find me at Cushman MLB. Quick check of the standings. The Red Sox uh, managed to, uh, they eventually fell to seven games back and then uh, regained a game today because the Mariners now are the third wildcard team, not Toronto, and they are slipping. So the Red Sox six games back. From that third wild card, they are uh, two games ahead of the Yankees in the win column. So still there's a threat to finish last. We do have a four game set against them. That'll be on the afternoon commute for everyone. And uh, what was my other point? I don't remember. How are you? I'm guys? sure you'll remember, Terry. <laughs> I, I think you'll remember. This was a really sad and, and disappointing series. We've just been getting... What feels like absolutely smoked, and I mean, the second game for me was absolutely devastating in this series. I mean, the number of hits in that game, when you get over 20 hits, y- you need to win. You need to get it done. And I think we're going to be talking about this uh, quite a bit in this series. So we're going to start off with our dud section. So, Nick, why don't you lead us off? Who is your dud? My dud from this weekend was Adam Duvall and a guy that was so clutch and so good for the for the month of August has tailspinned back into Adam Duvall when he first came back from the IL. Current check on the stats of Adam Duvall. His August, he was pretty much on fire. He had a 304 average. He had 21 RBIs driven in, and he also had nine home runs, some of them in big, big moments. But ever since the calendar turned, Duvall has been a very big problem in the lineup and why he didn't really play much uh, this weekend. He only played on, uh, I believe it was Friday, Saturday, no, Friday's game, where he went 0 for 4. His uh, batting average now for the month is down to 111 
OBP is at 143, slugging 222. One homer, two RBIs on the month. We got a big decision here to make when the offseason hits. And the reason I wanted to talk about Duvall here, on my, uh, at least for putting him on my dub list, is you're going to have a decision to make with what you're going to do for next season with your outfield. You're a very left-handed heavy right now. You definitely need some pop on the right side. I do not look at Adam Duvall right now, at least for 2024, as a starter. The question that I am trying to figure out what's going to come of this is, is he worth bringing back as a bench piece and a bench piece only? I don't know if that's something Duvall wants or will take, but I can't, I can't see him as a starter again next season. I just can't. I don't think it's going to be a winning so, uh, solution to install him there and I want to move on to 2024 bigger and better. I am done with the song and dance of finishing in last place and not being a team that's really in contention here and making it to the postseason. I really want to see us get back into some sort of reality where it's playoff team, championship driven, and I don't feel like Adam Duvall does that for me. Appreciate the guy. Appreciate the effort. Very likable kind of person. But I think that the best decision here for the Sox right now is to move forward into getting something else that's in there that you can count on. Terry. He, he is who he is. You know, he's going to go on these runs. I mean, he hit, what, five home runs in seven games, something like that, a couple of them in really key spots. And then he disappears for a little while, and the strikeouts tick up, and and – that's who he is, and he's sitting in a situation right now where we're a little bit light on right-handed outfield bats. We've got another guy emerging. We'll get to him shortly, but as long as he can stay healthy, you're almost guaranteed to get 25 to 30 home runs out of him and a bunch of runs driven in, but it's just it's going to be uncomfortable at times. Having said that, I think Adam Duvall could get a two-year deal this winter. It's, it's been one-year deals for a while. I think some team who, who has a, a definite need for a right-handed power bat is going to swoop in and, and sign him. I think he's going to take the first two-year deal that is thrown at him, Adam Duvall. And I don't know what that deal is going to be worth. He's making six or seven million this year. Maybe it's two years, sixteen million. I doubt he could top it out at at two years twenty. But that that would be the absolute top. And yeah, seven million this year. So he's going to be an intriguing guy. He's certainly not a qualifying offer, uh, you know, candidate. You, you know that that would be. Bloom giving him, you know, one year for 20 million and the Red Sox would have tons of leverage in signing him because if another team uh, wanted to sign him, they'd have to give us a draft pick. It always hurts a player when they're offered a, a qualifying offer, unless you're a, an Otani type guy who no one's going to you're going to you're going to blow it out of the water regardless. So that that's kind of where we're at. That's where I'm at with with Duvall. But yeah, so that that's that's my take on him. I, I could go on a little bit, but we'll we'll save some meat on the bone. 
Yeah. So Duvall, Duvall's been, he's a very interesting character. I mean, the injury really hurt his value as far as locking up a more than potentially two-year deal. Granted, he's 35 years old, but he started off the season on fire. It was Adam Duvall and friends to start the year. He single-handedly won us two or three games. And then we had the, the injury. And I'm just going to call it the injury because he's not been the, the same since. He did have a streak where he had a home run in three straight games and then a home run in four straight games. But he's kind of turned into a little bit of a pumpkin. He's over his last 13 with 10 strikeouts. And on the month of August, as Nick was talking about, has 13 strikeouts and 27 at-bats with three hits and only one being for extra base, uh, one for extra bases. So, Terry, you talked about uh, the fact that we have a need for potential extra right, right-handed bats. We have quite a few left-handed bats. And we're kind of curious to see who's going to stay, who's going to go. I absolutely think that Adam Duvall is going to get a contract for two years. I don't think he's going to come back to Boston because the Red Sox aren't going to keep both Duvall and Turner. I think that if they had the choice between one or the other, you're going to keep Turner. Turner's a lot older than, than Duvall, but he's a professional hitter in relation to Duvall, who is either a superstar hitter or turns into just a nothing. And in the perfect world, if he plays a full season, he doesn't get injured. You're looking at someone that can mash 40 home runs and 100 RBI. He's kind of like the the newer version of the old Cincinnati, Sean, uh, not Sean Casey, uh, Adam Dunn, who was someone that was consistently at the 40 homer, 100 RBI, kind of 260, 250 range. And that's kind of it. There's nothing crazy about his game. He's just a banger. But that's it. And when he's not there and he's invisible, it's very apparent. And you're going to lose series because that bat's not there. It's in the lineup, but it's not doing damage. So really tough to see. I hope he can you know, figure it out for the last couple of weeks of the season. But this has been a disaster year for the Boston Red Sox yet again. Uh, Terry, who was your dud for this one? I'm actually switching it up. I forgot to tell you guys. Um, my dud for the series is going to be Brandon Walter. Um, Walter has been hot garbage uh, the last couple of starts. Uh, two starts ago, uh, he went four innings against the Kansas City Royals of all teams. G- gives up seven earned runs over those four innings. He was probably coming in for Crawford or someone that obviously... Um, you know, didn't, didn't have a good start and, uh, got lit up, got absolutely lit up. And then on Friday's game, now this wasn't a close game. It wasn't a key spot for him. The The game was lost. The Orioles were, were up. Well, I shouldn't say the game was lost. Actually, we were, it, it was within six runs, I think. So yeah, pretty much lost. I had to talk myself back into it, but Um, but yeah, so he gives up, he gives up, uh, four earned, four earned in that 11 to two loss. And the reason that, the reason that's frustrating to me is this was a guy that the Bluminati, you know, hyped up last winter as, as part of the Red Sox depth, you know, you had sale, you had Bayo. Uh, you had Pavetta, who I think was projected as a starter right away. He was starting games for the first few months. Uh, who am I missing? You had well, you had Whitlock on and off, but you, you had you had a bunch of guys you thought could give you some quality guys. But if any of those guys failed, you had Chris Murphy and you had Brandon Walter, 
And all this depth we had was was a delusion, you know, by everyone who believed these guys could come up and potentially take a key spot in the rotation every fifth day or be the bulk guy in the bullpen, you know, every so often. If Hauk only went his standard four innings, you know, a guy like Walter could come in and maybe hold it down. And this whole program is garbage. And watching Walter just get lit up out there is just, it, it just puts the exclamation point on it here in the, in the final month of the season for me. This this pitching was never gonna be was never gonna be viable, <laughs> and and the fact that we're we're what three games above five hundred. Some people are 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 saying that that's bad. Like, oh my god, we're three games above five hundred. This team's terrible. The reality of it is, this team has overachieved to get to three games above five hundred. We should be six seven games under right now. But certain aspects of this team have have overachieved at certain points. We had a very good July. I can't remember. We had a very good run in the spring. It just seems like a lifetime ago. I don't remember if that was May or June or perhaps May into June. But um, it, it's it's just been another miserable season with with Red Sox pitching and. I'm just tired of seeing these scrap heap guys. And I've said it previously. Walter, I think, is going to be 27 or 28 years old in the fall here. The reason he hadn't made his major league debut yet is because he's not a major league pitcher. He is not a major league pitcher. So plenty of duds to pick from this season. But I I went with Walter because I just wanted to highlight the patheticness of Red Sox pitching. I mean, that's going to be hard to top, but Nick, go ahead. Give it your best shot. I, I echo the patheticness of that of Brandon Walter as well. Um, I was just looking through to see. He's been recalled, it looks like, three times. He came up in June. He pitched against Minnesota. Started out half decent. You know, he actually started that game. I don't know if you guys remember that, but he Who's started. He went six. Yeah, he went Or maybe it was an opener or something like that. It could have been. But he went six and two-thirds. He gave up. Uh, three earned runs, pretty decent. Then he got obviously sent back down, came back up for the 4th of July time frame. And then he was pretty decent again from out of the bullpen from everything, using him for an inning or so. But then it started to become, I guess, not a mystery to some of these teams. The Chicago Cubs hit him pretty good. He gave up uh, two runs in his game on the 15th. And then the last appearance we saw was the 23rd against the Mets. He went an inning, uh, had a walk, but that was it. Since he's been recalled, like you said, the Royals, the seven runs, that was just unacceptable. I would have DFA'd him at that point. They're giving him another chance against Baltimore, and he was equally as bad with the four runs that was given up. The thing that we're seeing here right now with Bloom's lovely prospects is that we are seeing with the pitching side of things that we got nothing. There is nothing. I mean, the if they want to get rid of Brandon Walter, they're probably going to be bringing up Corey Kluber again because he's getting ramped up, guys. I don't know if you're excited about it, but here he comes. Corey Kluber's coming again. Woohoo! They just are showing so much 
it's like leakage in a way from a car that's in over its head and it's just ready to explode and be done. You're seeing this from these bullpen arms right now where everybody that's coming up is just going to be used and abused and heading to the junk pile at some point in time in the not so very near future. That's what I feel like it is. It's like the Island of misfit toys. Who's this one going to get plucked up? All right, let's try this guy. Case in point, Zach Weiss. I mean, here's a guy that has no business being in a major league team. None. You have Nick Robinson now up. He pitched, I guess, the today. Great. Does he excite you? Hell no. It's just what we have. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm getting so tired of just seeing this revolving door of the Worcester Express train. Here it comes. Here comes the next guy. and Here comes the next one. And they're just going to get inserted right back down. It's just the sign of the testing of the depth. There's just not enough depth in the pitching side for me, at least, and I'm sure with you guys, to feel confident and comfortable with them. It's it's adorable because I just distinctly remember bringing this up, and I believe that Brandon Walter was my dud last week, that starting pitching and pitching in general was a position of depth, guys. This wasn't an area that we had any problems. On what planet is this considered not a problem brandon walter has absolutely imploded in his last two appearances unacceptable i echo that sentiment from what nick just said seven runs and four innings against kansas city you somehow managed to, to double down and allow four runs in an inning and a third and senior era balloon from 3.07 to 7.2 there's a reason as terry mentioned why this guy wasn't in the bigs He's 27 years old, and he's getting absolutely destroyed. Couldn't even get a strikeout against Baltimore. You know, this is just, unfortunately, what we're coming to expect. You know, the, the Worcester train, as Nick mentioned, it's really hard to top what both of you said. It's basically, okay, cool, which person do we want to throw in there to see who gets tagged next? Because it's really hard. It's really hard to say, Yes, I stand behind this team, and yes, I stand behind this product that's been presented to us. It's an absolute joke. And for anybody that's standing behind Bloom, I get it. That's your stance. I don't agree with it. That's fine. But you have nothing to show for it right now. You literally have nothing to show for it. Some of your prospects have bombed out. Some of your prospects have gotten traded. Some of your prospects... Still are trying to figure it out defensively. And I believe Terry, if I'm not mistaken, was someone who mentioned it on a prior show. Valdez, if I'm not mistaken. Defensively, oh, yes. not there. Right, exactly. He has no future. It's, there's no future in Boston. There's no future possibly in the bigs. And so here we are coveting all of these prospects. And we're trying to like pool this huge, you know, list of guys that we can get on this team. And then when we bring them up, Half of them don't work out. Half of them aren't ready and or are never going to be ready. So you're doing something that I get the mindset of. You're trying to have like a really good farm system. But if you never end up getting to play with any of your toys or some of your toys you don't have the right batteries for, what the hell is the point of you having said toys? So it's really, really hard for me to hear people say, yes, I defend Bloom because X, Y, Z. Okay, your X, Y, and Z have not worked out. Or 
some of the stances within your XYZ, XA or X1, X2, whatever you want to call it, have not worked out. So what are you standing behind? We don't know the situation in the stance of Alex Cora, I am Bloom. As far as I'm concerned, I want them both gone. Do I think they're both going to be gone now? Honestly, I don't. I, I really think that there's a pretty good chance that we're going to have to deal with one, if not both of them in 2024, which is going to continue this carousel of misfit toys, unhappy players, people that want out of Boston, not a destination city. I'll say it again. Not a destination city. No one is dying to come play in Boston. Justin Turner can do whatever he can to try to get people here. Kike Hernandez did whatever he had to get people to come here. I'm appreciative for what he did. Guess what? It's going to be really, really hard for someone to say, yes, come here. We're, we're a contender, and we're doing everything we can to be a winner. You're not. You're really not. This is not a franchise that is investing in its future. I will leave it there. But I can continue. But Terry, I know you want to add. Yeah, so let's talk about the Red Sox rotation real quick. 2020, by the end of the season, in all of MLB, it was ranked 25th. 25th in all of MLB. In 2021, it was ranked 17th. That was the ALCS year. 2022, it was ranked 23rd. Where do you guys think it's ranked right now? Throw me a number. 28th. I'll go 24. You're both a little bit high. It's 22, but I think it's trending towards, you know, the ballparks you just uh, you just stated. And George, uh, Brandon Walter, uh, you know, was was depth like he was going to be counted on to, to have a better thing. But the, the theme has continued. It, it's the rotations have been terrible virtually the entire Bloom era. In 2021, to get two games from the World Series with a 17th-ranked rotation, that's an anomaly. That's an anomaly. And those were mostly Dombrowski guys, by the way. And by the way, I got a hot take regarding, the, you know, Dombrowski versus Bloom on the Hot Take Tuesday Hold episode. It. Yeah, thank yeah, you. No, I Hold know. It. I will. And then lastly, the bullpen. 2020, it was ranked 27th. <laughs> One of the very worst in all of MLB. 2021, it was actually pretty good. They, they were 13th. I would, that's not great, but in the Bloom era, you'll take 13th. 2022, it, it was basically back to the same as 2020. They were, they were ranked 26th last year. This year, and this is the mind-boggling thing, this year, it's ranked 19th, and you have the best eighth inning guy in MLB at your disposal and you got Kenley Jansen. Who's not, who's been very solid. He's not been the best closer in major league baseball. He's not even a top five closer, but he's held it down for you for the most part. He's converted coming into the series. He's converted 29 out of 33 saves. We'll take it. It's just a shame. He hasn't had more opportunities, but what I'm getting at here is, the fact that they've been so good in the eighth and ninth, the problem is getting to them. You just can't do it. That rotation is so bad. You're blowing through all the other relievers who have to come into the game in the third, fourth, and fifth inning. You're just blowing these guys out. We had a guy named Zach 
Weiss or Zach Weiss. I don't know how he pronounces it. He got called up. He was like the reliever du jour, you know, from Worcester that was going to be available on what night was it? Uh, let's see. On Saturday. He was available on Saturday. And as it turned out, he was needed. Uh, and so he gives up two runs. He gives up two runs. Pass the baton to uh, Yovera. He gives up three runs. You're never going to get to Martin and Jansen with the incompetence that occurs in the earlier innings. With, with that type of roster building, you're just not going to get to them. And the rotation is the main culprit for why the bullpen has been so bad. And, uh, man, I can't wait for this era to end. <laughs> and I hope it's within the next several days that it ends you're not alone you know you're, you're just I, I you're simply put you're not you're you're not alone i was just gonna add that w- even with this overachieving like you said terry from everything i gotta look at cutter crawford still and josh winkowski i feel like those two guys have been like the swiss army type kind of players that the red sox have had we've had some good we've had some bad and everything but I just think those guys, without them, I don't think we're even in a conversation, at least, of being anywhere close to a wild card without those two, at least. Because who knew coming into this season how much Crawford and Winkowski would have been trusted and counted upon this year? That That's the crazy thing to me, at least. Anything we, we want to add before we move along? All right. So... Um, my dud, since I couldn't talk about Brandon Walter anymore, and Terry so generously took him, was Chris Sale. And here's the thing. Before I begin, let me be the first one to be abundantly clear about this. This pains me more than it would to name somebody else as a dud. I've been a supporter of Chris Sale since the beginning. When he has struggled, I've still stood by him. I still stand by him, even though this was a very poor performance, allowing six runs against Baltimore, the hottest team in our division, and one of the hottest in baseball. But not being able to give us five innings when we need it so desperately really hurts. Six earned in four innings, two homers. Yeah, you got five strikeouts. But you were one of the pieces that just did not work out in the second game of the series and allowed us to go down 0-2 very quickly. Uh you start off with a lead, and then by the time you're done, it's now 7-2. to two. We try to muster up some, some runs in the bottom half, but you're already at 80 pitches. You're done. You are not metaphorically done. You are physically spent now. So it pains me to have to say this because I really do wonder if the times of Chris Sale being an elite starting pitcher are completely over or if it's going to be someone that needs to take some time and kind of regather himself and figure it out and then come back to Boston. But it pains me to have to say that he struggled because I do love Chris Sale and I, I still support him, but you can't, I, I just, I wouldn't be very genuine if I didn't call it out like I am right now. So Chris Sale, my dud, unfortunately for this series, uh, Nick, 
Terry, do you remember back at the beginning of the year, I believe it was an Oriole series, and we were all getting into the rhythm of, do we trust Chris Sale, do we not? And I remember doing the show with you, and you at the time were having confidence in everything, and I chimed in and said, I don't think I can ever trust Chris Sale again. Well, I changed my mind that night because of you, and ever since that point, I have not been able to fully commit if Chris Sale is taking a start for the Red Sox to get a win. It's sad as well. Charlie, I know he's your guy, and I do not want to go below the belt, and that's not my style on what I'm going to go here with Chris Sale, but it pains me to tell you that Chris Sale's time as an elite starting pitcher in Major League Baseball, at least in my opinion, is done. We've seen too many results right now where we have seen time after time he got he has flashes but those flashes end up turning into explosions and a lot of it has to do with what he has for his itinerary he has a fastball at times and then he just completely loses his command and it's sayonara ball tattooed over the monster i felt like that start on saturday was a lot like the start that he had game 2 of the season against the orioles the ball was just launching all over the place and the orioles jumped upon it now, the traditional fan would say, oh, don't worry, it's just the Orioles. The Orioles just have Chris Sale's number. you got to look at the whole sample size here, folks. There's too much to tell right now with Sale just not having enough to believe in. A lot of people also, I heard, well, he pitched pretty decent against the Royals. He was able to go five innings or six innings, whatever he went, and was able to get a quality start. Do you people understand that that's also the Kansas City Royals? Like, slow your roll, please. I keep fighting with, is he going to transition into a reliever of sorts? I don't see it. I don't see it, guys. I don't see him being a closer. I don't see him being a seventh, eighth inning guy or something like that. I just think that Chris Sales' time is done. He was a lead at one point with the White Sox. He just hasn't been the same guy ever since 2018. And... I just can't stomach continuing to see the guy just go out there and feel like, oh, yeah, I got it. And then, boom, done. The game's over. It's just we're seeing too many results from it. I just think it's time for us to move on, time to figure out something else that we can put out there. And hopefully Chris Sale mentally for a mental state is is going to be okay. But I just think he's just – I can't count on him anymore. He's lost my trust. So while you guys were giving uh, some takes, some breaking news uh, just popped up on my Twitter feed from Jen McCaffrey. James Paxton's season is over. Apparently they will shut him down for the rest of the year and they are citing knee inflammation. So now let me have my uh, crack at sale here. Um, He's done. He's absolutely done. Um, the The velocity isn't there. Uh, and when he came out in that first inning, it was one, two, three with two strikeouts. He just blew through that first inning. And I, I started thinking, I'm like, well, you know, all right, uh, not, not too bad. And then in the second inning, uh, let's see, he did, uh, he did give up a run in the second inning, but the whole time I'm like, just the first couple innings, 
I'm like, well, this might work out for him today. It typically, he's had a terrible time against Baltimore this season, but I'm like, this might work out for him today. But how do you, how does Chris Sale survive with a 91, 92 mile an hour fastball? You can't. That's not good enough. They're just going to be sitting on everything all the time, just like they do with Corey Kluber, whose fastball isn't much doesn't have much more velo than his changeup does. So I I just don't see a path forward for Chris Sale. Now, is he tradable over the winter? Absolutely not. Nobody's paying him 25, 30 million next year, whatever his uh, you know, contract is. Um I just I don't I don't know. I mean the Red Sox are gonna probably try to get what they can out of him and it gets brought up every year. It never it never gains traction at all, but if he goes to the bullpen, he could be great for one inning. He really could be. He'd be the most overpriced bullpen arm you have, but at least he might be serviceable. His first 79 appearances, which were in his first two years, were out of the bullpen. When Chris Sale came up, he was a reliever. He, there, he wasn't thought of to be a starter until I think the 2012 season. Let me pull it up. Games started. Yes. Yeah, so he came into the 2012 season after making his debut in 2010. Uh, basically pitching, he pitched a full 30 game season and he was, he was good. He, he had a three Oh five ERA and that's probably what, what led to him being, uh, you know, a, a starting pitcher. His strikeout per nine at that point was only nine, which for sale is, you know, you, you expect a lot higher. Uh, 2017 with us, he had a 12.9 strikeout per nine. So, and, and was ninth in the MVP wrote, voting Runner-up Cy Young to Corey Kluber, of all people. Man, what it would, what you would give to have them in their prime right now. But I think Chris Sale's career is essentially over. He turns 35 years old in uh, March. You know, Corey Kluber was barely hanging on at that point in his career. James Paxton, he'll probably get signed to a minor league deal with someone next year. I'm guessing I, I it's far fetched to me that he'll get a major league deal. A lot of these guys just flame out in their mid thirties. And I don't think Chris sale is any exception to that. He's been MIA since 2018. If, if you ask me. So I, I think he's done. And here's the thing, you know, I, I feel that, it, it takes a big person, you know, we, we made that joke before once. It takes a really big person to admit when something is is just about done. And admittedly so, most pitchers that come in that starting with the bullpen and then try to make their way as a starter do find their way at the very beginning of their career in the bullpen because there isn't a spot in the starting rotation. No one knew that Chris Sale was going to be the type of guy that could strike out 300-plus in a season. It only happened, I believe, once uh, and he came really, really close to surpassing and, and meeting Pedro Martinez's number. But I don't know if I can see him yet as a, as a bullpen arm. I don't think he's going to allow something like that. I think he's going to do everything possible to try to, to, to stay in the rotation. And truth be told, if I'm not mistaken, last year is the last year of that deal. Or next year, rather, is the last year of that deal. So 
why not just see what happens? I don't think we're going to go absolutely crazy during the off season. So let's just see what happens. You know, that's, that's what I would say. Uh, a couple of other dishonorable mentions here. Uh, Tristan Casas, one for 12, the only hit being a home run. Struck out five times, had three walks. I'm not going to really get on Tristan Casas because Casas has been an absolute gem all year long. Um, you know, Weiss also struggled a little bit, gave up two runs, both of which came by way of the, the home run ball. We talked about Walter originally. That was one of the uh, duds before we kind of did an about face. And then uh, Tanner Howe, five runs and five and a third, just didn't didn't get it done, didn't get it going, and unfortunately struggled immensely. Anything else you guys want to add? Yeah, Alex Vertugo yeah, just forgot how to play right field for about seven seconds, and that he misfielded a ball. It ended up rolling behind him. Two more runs scored, so it – it could have easily been a seven to one win for the Red Sox, but just an absolute dud of a of a performance uh, defensively by Verdugo. Yeah, also only three hits in the series for him, three for thirteen. Uh, a couple of extra base hits, which is great. Uh, always nice to see somebody like Verdugo in the lineup where he you know goes 13, 14 at bats, only strikes out once. You know, it's not like a free out. Yeah, Nick. Before we move on, go ahead. The only other thing I was going to mention was Cora was. Cora was also a dud this weekend as well. I thought Saturday's game, twenty I get twenty three hits. We had what was that? Was that correct? Twenty three hits. You should have won this game on Saturday night. And I thought when the Red Sox were down by one, and when it, when it was seven to six at one point, could have brought could have brought the A team in for the bullpen and everything. Could have at least had the chance to entertain taking two or three from the Orioles, and you didn't for whatever reason it was, whether pitches were not available or whatnot. That that was not a good managerial decision from Cora this on Saturday in particular. Agreed. So now we get to shift into the happy part of our show where you get to talk about the highlights. So Nick, why don't you hit us off with your stud? I think people are gonna like this one because it comes from a different angle and it's a little it's a little bit something that I think fans for the most part have enjoyed for entertainment purposes for this season. And that has to be my stud of Lou Merloni. Lou Merloni deserves to be the full-time color commentator for the Red Sox on Nesson. I know that it has to do with him balancing his family and his, I believe his son uh, is in little league and he likes to coach and everything like that, but talent wise and entertainment and all that, that Lou brings for breaking down analysts and, Sitting in for Jerry Remy's seat from everything, it's Ben Lou. Lou is the best of the best when it comes to our rotating cast of characters, whether it's Kevin Euclid, Will Middlebrooks, Tim Wakefield, Kevin Millar. I mean, you've had all sorts of different experiments going on. I'm not a Dave O'Brien fan in the least bit. I think he's boring. I am a huge proponent for Don Orsillo from everything. I miss him greatly. But I do think the chemistry, at least with O'Brien and Merloni in the booth together, at least there's some good comedy stuff. There's good communication. It seems like they're on the same page with at least understanding one another. That has been so missed a lot of times. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I like Yuke as a player. I can't stand him. I think he is boring and dull and doesn't doesn't call it like it is. Lou does that. And he 
reminds me in a way of like how Jerry Remy would call the game and everything. I feel like because fans have such a knowledge in a way when it comes to what they want to listen to and how they listen to different things, at least for me, I feel like I can at least sit there and watch a little bit more of the game when it comes with Lou, when he's on the, on the broadcast. Um, I think he brings a different breath of fresh air into that booth that has been so severely missed since Jerry Remy sadly passed and Don Arcillo's not there and without Eck as well too. They need that anchor that's there. And I think Lou gives that best chance to succeed with him and Dave in the booth. Terry. I could not agree anymore with Nick. Um, Lou is from New England. He's one of us. He's got that. He's got that New England sound, that New England accent. And I like him. And I think he's going to get the most candid. You know, if when Chris Sale turns in a dud, Merloni's going to give the more critical take on that more so than uh, Will Middlebrooks. And I, I like Will. I mean, I thought he, I think Will's, he's probably my number two. I'm still not a huge Euclid guy, but at the same time, he's still better than a lot of the guys that have been on there. But I, I mean, if it's hard to find Nesson's ratings, uh, every few weeks I try to see where we're at compared to last year and the year before. And, but I, I would imagine Nesson's ratings would be much higher if Lou Merloni's in the seat for 120 or 130 games. Uh, that's what I want. I'm I'm starting to grow on Lou Merloni. I mean, from the years of listening to him on the radio, drives to work and all that jazz, seeing him as a player. Uh, I know we've had one exchange where probably could have gone better on his part because he didn't admit he was wrong, but that's for another day. Um, I do agree that having, you know, a hometown person be on your hometown team's side of things is going to be beneficial. He's beloved by fans. He's been a part of the picture for decades since the nineties. We're, we're growing on almost 30 years of Lou here. There are a lot of options that are worse than Lou Merloni, and it couldn't hurt to see him stay. Uh, I wouldn't say that I'm disappointed if he does opt for that, but if he wants to do something else, Boston will find a solution. It may not be a happy one, but truth be told, there will never be a replacement for Don Orsillo, who will forever be loved by all Red Sox fans. And if you didn't love him, you weren't a real fan. So we don't really care for your opinion. Uh, anything else we want to add on that one? Yeah, just real quick. There, yeah. There's two people I never want to see in the booth. Uh, the first one is Tim Wakefield. I got no issues with Wake. I, I liked him as a player, but he's he puts people to sleep. If the game starts at 7, 10, some of those people are going to be asleep by 8, 20. And I just don't, there's no energy from him. He's not, he doesn't get animated at all. I just, I don't like Wakefield in the booth. The second guy, I don't think will ever be in the booth again. He, we haven't really seen him on Nesson in a while, but, and I, I like him too, but Steve Lyons was just terrible. I just, same thing with him. I just couldn't, I just couldn't get into it when he was in the booth. Yeah, Nick, go ahead. 
I was going to say, uh, Terry, is Tim Wakefield the reason why you've had to ramp up with more energy drinks whenever those games are? I, that That's the rumor that I heard. Fun fact. Um, I, I've drank only water since Monday and I'm, I'm trying to go, I've got, I've got a tournament, uh, the second week of, uh, I think starting on October 11th, actually, uh, for about a week. And uh, I'm just trying to, my goal is to get to October 11th, only drinking water, but I am an energy drink fiend. Otherwise, like those pineapple monster energy drinks, they're not giving us any money to talk about them, but I just, I'm, those are so good, and my my second choice—that's the only monster I'll drink, and I—I uh, I love Red Bull as well, just because it's so—it's a unique taste, and I, I just like it. But, um, but yeah, only water, and I've lost six pounds since Monday. Not that I'm, you know, I, I'm a little chubby, but I'm not like I'm not like big, big. You, know you look I mean? great, Terry. I, I look, look. I'm, I'm comfortable look in my own skin, but You're yeah, getting there. I'm trying the water thing. The only other thing I wanted to mention was the reason I brought Lou Merloni's whole thing up for my take was because there was an exchange with him and Dave about the microbursts that we've had over the weekend here with a bunch of trees that have come down. So there was a funny little joke that was going on with Dave O'Brien asking somebody to drive up a chainsaw to Salem, New Hampshire. And Lou started this whole funny exchange with everything that reminded me back at the times with the John and the Jerry uh, the the whole stories and the fun times that we used to have. That is why that whole thing came up. And I thought it was one of the more entertaining takes we've seen between two of the announcers this season. Yeah, he was like, you don't think anybody else in New Hampshire has a chainsaw? <laughs> Somebody's going <laughs> to run funny. one up to you? Yeah, that's and that's great. And that that's 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 Lou Merloni. So if you know, if somebody if somebody turns in a dud, I, I think he's going to be the one to get animated about it. He's going to yeah. be the guy who says yuck. And fortunately there's no David price on the team to flip out, you know, cause that's the, that's the comment Eckersley made that, that caused that with price. But I give me more Merloni. Sign me up. There we go. Why don't you uh, lead us with your stud? I have two studs and they are related. Literally. First one, Josh Winkowski uh, had a very good performance uh, today uh, in the sixth inning uh, after Bayo came out and um, didn't give up a hit and actually struck out the side, struck out all three batters he faced and looked really good. It was his only outing in the series. And I'm not, I've been critical about Winkowski, uh, you know, both on, on Twitter and um here on the podcast i just i don't think he's as good as his stats indicate i mean he's got a 222 era since the all-star break but his whip is uh 1.48 and his opponents are hitting 280 against him so i think he's kind of getting lucky here and i actually wonder if he's a good sell high candidate at the end of the year which sounds insane because you're going to need arms next year like crazy, and I, maybe you have to keep him. But my second stud is Josh Winkowski's dad. And the reason I'm going with him is he follows us on social media, and he, he doesn't seem to criticize us if we criticize his son. And occasionally he'll like some tweets, which to me is a reminder, hey, you're still here, because I kind of forget he follows us, but... 
but he follows us and he doesn't take it personally. I remember go way back to probably 2014 or 2015 when Michael Kopech uh, failed for PEDs. I made a comment about it and it wasn't a happy comment, you know, and instantly his father unfollowed me. But you don't get that from Mr. Winkowski. So props to him for just kind of, you know, riding the roller coaster with everyone. And uh, it was uh, it was a good outing uh, for his son uh, today in the finale. Nick. I was actually surprised. I was about to dive into Winkowski's stats and everything a little bit for um, Terry's take on this. And the 280 batting average surprised me, truthfully. It did. Um, I thought number-wise that he was more probably in like the 240, uh, 250 range of some sorts because he's got a decent ERA. He's been doing a very, very good job, at least in my opinion, of a guy that we did not know what his role was going to be when this season began. And I marked on it before. I used, I said Cutter Crawford and Josh Winkowski have been two guys that have been asked to do a lot for this team. Cutter Crawford going into the rotation. I, I don't think we ever counted on him giving you a six and seven record with a mid four ERA. I mean, he's going up again tomorrow. He could be a 500 pitcher again tomorrow. They don't set the world on fire. That's my big thing here is that they are definitely going to be journeyman pitchers, at least in my, my eyes, but they're going to give you innings and they're going to give you a serviceable job. And that right there is why I why they have been so valuable to the Red Sox this season. They're not flashy, they're not great, but they're going to get the job done and be counted on. That's more than you can say this season than a Chris Sale, a, a Garrett Whitlock, a James Paxton, all those guys. I would rather have a team that is going to be durable, has arms that are reliable, and somehow find a way to gut it out and figure it out. That that right there is a recipe for success, at least for me. And if you find somebody like Terry said that wants a Winkowski and sell high, and you can get somebody that can come in and replace something of a bulk status like him, hey, sign me up. I'm all for it because I do think these guys will be jumping around a little bit for their career. But for right now, I'm appreciative. I'm appreciative to have them and to be a part of somewhat of an unstable pitching kind of rotation that we've had. It's good we have him at least. Um, I'm happy that Winkowski has been able to to do well. I mean, really, he has had one bad performance in his last month and a half and uh, has been one of the saving graces in an otherwise sad year for our bullpen. And it's incredibly taxed. You know, he's already had to start one game here. But he's been able to really double down. He's exceeded his numbers from last year. He's increased his strikeouts, increased his innings. His ERA has dropped three full runs per nine. Uh, his war is in the positive. He has 18 holds on the year, a couple of saves. He's just a complete reliever, and I hope we don't mess with this guy. You know, we've seen what happens when you mess with it, and when things are going great, we tend to manipulate that, and I really hope we don't do that to him. Great appearance for Josh. Uh, I, I, I don't. I don't know what else he can say. I mean, Wink did great, and I and I hope that I hope that we're able to continue building on this for 2024 because we have a lot of areas to improve upon. As long as he's in the bullpen, that's one less arm that you have to worry about. Anything else you guys want to add? I do know who would want him over the winter. It would definitely be the Dodgers. 
and they would turn him into a starter. He would be absolutely filthy and probably finish seventh in the Cy Young voting. I would even say the Braves, too. I would even say the Braves, too, those two. Both those teams would eat Winkowski up, and I couldn't agree more with that, Terry. They, they, He would be a stud for them. Yeah. Let's keep him in Boston. Let's just do that and make it nice and easy. Uh, my my stud for this one, I had Willier Brayu. Uh, Brayu in the second game went five for five, had four singles, a double, three knocked in, a couple of runs scored, went one for five outside the series, uh, but was still able to go – um, and get six hits during during the entire set, knocked in a couple of runs. This has been really, really fun. I mean, in a series that has been marred by so much sadness, and, you know, Terry kind of brought up the breaking news of <laughs> James Paxson, who somehow found his way back on the IL again. This is, this is really nice. You know, this is a nice little fun story. This is someone who's hitting over 350 for the month of, of September. Greatly helped out by that one performance in uh, against Baltimore here. But uh, it's nice to see this young man get out there and, and show Boston what he can do. This is his second appearance now on the year where he's had four hits or more. When he hits, he hits in bunches. When he doesn't, it can be kind of quiet. So hopefully he can build on this and, and turn into something special because he's 24 years old. This is his first taste of the bigs. He's not going to hit 340 for the remainder of the year. He'll never hit 340, at least not right now. But this is someone who's, you know, one of our left-handed outfield bats. I'm curious to see how they can work him into the lineup for 2024 because already we're seeing what he has the capability of doing. Nick. I'm going to start this out with a bold take for you guys and for our audience as well. William Abreu is going to be the Alex Verdugo replacement for 2024. You are seeing it right now. And the reason I'm going to go with that route is because I just don't see Verdugo coming back and getting the money that Bloom is going to get going to give him. I just don't see it happening. I, I don't know if you guys saw the whole exchange that happened out in the field and everything like that, but I think Alex Verdugo's days are as good as done here. And the Red Sox are going to be in the market for trying to figure out who their next person is going to be. What I like sometimes in September, I hate it that where if you're out of the race, it's just done. But you get to see some players come up that want to show that they can be major league players. And what I've seen so far with Abreu is a guy that wants to earn a job, a guy that has something to prove, a guy that hustles, a guy that really wants to be a part of an everyday lineup. He had a wonderful game on Saturday with the five hits and everything. He's come up and he's produced. He's not perfect. He's learning his way around the diamond and learning his way to play Major League Baseball. But what you've seen is a pretty adequate glove. He had a couple issues with the Tampa series when he probably could have made a catch of some sorts there. But to me, those are growing pains. And those growing pains come when you first come up into the big show. I think that we're seeing a guy, and I'm not going to be banking on him 100%, but I think we're seeing a serviceable guy that can come up who's a hardworking, wants-to-get-better type of player. And that right there, to me, shows that he's a winner, a winner who wants to achieve greatness. And I I would be somebody that would be comfortable with seeing more playing time with Abreu 
I do want to see another guy that we'll probably mention too. I do want to see some more of Sedane Raffaella to see where his position is and where he fits best and everything. But I am uh, I am very happy to see the spark. I think that's the best way of describing it on what William Abreu has provided in a little bit of a short sample size. But I'm excited to see what the future holds for him. Terry. Going five for five is impressive. I don't care who you are. If you're Devers or you're Tristan Casas or William Abreu, uh, and then he has only hit in game six, uh, game six, game three, the finale today was his first at bat. So it was actually six in a row uh, that, that he had hit. But going back to the seventh inning, his biggest hit came off uh, in the, what happened in the seventh inning. Um, he drove in Yoshida and Story on a double two RBI double. And then in the final inning, he scored what ended up being, or he batted in the, the, the final run of the game. Um, it was a single and, um, Yoshida came in on that one. Uh, but he he kept the line moving and, and the Red Sox had a couple of opportunities to try to tie the game after Yenier Cano did everything he could do to try to blow that game. (laughs) Gave up, what was it? Three, three earned, and and there was there was at least a couple of guys. I think runners on second and third before um, he was finally able to save it for the for the Orioles. But uh, getting back to Abreu, I want him to play every day. I want him to play absolutely every day for the rest of the year because I want to know who he is. I want to know who this guy is. And quite frankly, there's just not enough time. I mean, you're still not truly going to know who the guy is. You, you got 19 or 20 games left. But you you have to look towards next year. And we're going to have a lot of conversations in the future on, do you try to trade a Brayu and sell high? Or maybe is Duran the guy? They're both lefties and you got a lefty problem. We've been talking about that since January. And Yoshida's staying, then you've got Verdugo. Well, for now, I mean, we're assuming Verdugo's going to get traded, but you never know. You never know. Especially if Bloom gets fired, maybe the new guy loves Alex Verdugo. Uh, who knows? So, But at the moment, you've got Abreu, Duran, Yoshida, and um, who am I missing? Duran, oh, Abreu, Yoshida, and Verdugo. Yeah, so you got four lefties. And you got two in the infield, Casas and and Endeavor. So you can't carry that many coming into next year. So there is going to be some tough decisions. And that's why I want to see more of Abreu. Because if you're not sold on Duran, maybe maybe Abreu's the guy. Maybe he's the guy. He I love the confidence this kid seems to have in the batter's box. And... I think if Duran is truly the guy that he was throughout the year, then that's who I want. That's that's who I want. But it, was that a big enough sample size to to say that's who Duran is? I, I don't know. But lots of tough decisions are going to happen, and we're going to have some interesting conversations once the season ends. Anything else uh, you want to add, Nick? No. So no, I'm, I'm with you, T. Yeah, no. Oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. Nothing. You're good. Okay. So no, I'm good. I, I'm, I think that as far as Abreu is concerned, 
you're right. Going five for five when you've played less than 20 career games is pretty damn special. Getting a three-hit game within your first 20 games is pretty darn awesome. But to get five is is past awesome or great. That's incredible. There are some players that haven't done that in their entire careers, and he did it in game, what, 15, 14? I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. But this is someone who just, when he can hit in bunches, he can do it. He's already had a four-hit game in his career. So he's had a four-hit game and a five-hit game. The issue is that when he's not hitting in bunches, it's kind of ugly. So like you said, Terry, I'm curious to see what happens, and we'll have, at the very least, a couple of weeks to see a little bit more of him. Uh, a couple of other honorable mentions. I'm going to give this to Brian Bale because he was able to give us at least five innings. Did allow three earned, gave us five, struck out four, and then Garrett Whitlock in the spot that he never should have left. Two innings, three strikeouts, a walk, over six, about 65% of his pitches for strikes. Please, for everything that is holy, do not put that man back in the starting rotation. I don't care if there is a gun to your head. He does not belong there. He has shown you time and time again where he belongs, where he's comfortable. Stop messing with it, please. I will arrest my statements there. Anything else that you just wanted to add? Yeah, I just want to clarify one thing. Sedan um, Rafaela has the highest ceiling of, of any of our prospects, maybe even higher than Duran, even based on what we saw this year, because Rafaela will hit for power. Um, and so many people are clamoring for him to be in the lineup every day, and I get it, but we know who he is. We know who Sedan Rafael is. We don't know who Abreu is. And that's why I want to see more of Abreu uh, in these last uh, two and a half, three weeks. I was going to say, Terry, on the Sedan Rafaela front, do you, what do you guys think about him getting some time at shortstop? It's interesting. And, and, and maybe even I want to kind of see what he plays. And maybe second base in spring training. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if, if Story even cares at this point. Xander was Xander threw a hissy fit when they talked about moving him once Story got signed. And I I don't think Story looks at it the same way, but he could very well be an infielder. That's a that's a good good question. Time will tell. That is going to wrap it for all of us here tonight. We want to thank all of our loyal listeners and to our first-time listeners as well. We appreciate all of you, whether this is you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We thank you all. Have a great night. Take care.